Welcome everyone to the OG pod. Today I have a comedian from Austin, Paul Cyphers. Hello. Cyphers. Cyphers. Cyphers, yes. like the cryptic cipher. Yeah, or the the bad guy from the Matrix. It's a tradition of mine to mess up people's names, so no welcome problem. to the crew. I mean, you know, <laughs> if I had a name worth not messing up, then, you know. It sounds like a stage name. It's a cool name. Cipher. Yeah. yeah, sometimes I think when I, I've done, you know, as they say, urban shows uh that people think maybe i'm some type of hippity, what's hi- an urban show hippity hop comedian you know a show oh, okay. predominantly black audience is that what we call them the urban show i Welcome mean i don't know show. that's what they called them in 2017 when i did them so or 2000 whatever 18 so i don't know what they're called now but yeah some people have think thought i was going to be like a rapping comedian which is very uh not what I do. So, so you do writing, you do comedy. Yes. Uh, you started in Massachusetts, and you've been out here. You came out with like Ben and Jesse. And yes, crew. you're the probably the only podcast to have all three. Yeah, I collected all the Massachusetts boys. The Lonely Man's. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. I was an original member of the Lonely Man's. Hell yeah. And we had contractual differences. I'm a free agent now. Oh, you know I mean? did you get paid at least? You, uh, you get I, a percentage I got paid of the podcast more from that podcast than any other podcast I've ever done in my life. It was you know fifteen dollars. Still a zero, month. but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it was like enough to get like a Nokia prepaid phone bill, sir. Oh, it's like go. $15 a month or something like that. That's oh. not bad. Uh, more than I made in crypto. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Did you get hit with this crypto downturn? No, I may, I haven't touched it in like years, but nice. I probably made, I, I, I used to play this game called Counter-Strike. Oh, I, I love Counter-Strike. Really? Oh, wow. yeah. Dude, I, I played 1.6 oh, all the way cool. through I play glo- CSGO, Global like, Offensive? Or? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, CSGO. Yeah, I played, CSGO. played like thousands of hours of it. Yeah, same. And uh, I sold all my skins during the pandemic and put it into Bitcoin, and then it went up a little bit or a bunch, and then I was like, cool, and then I sold that, and then I was like out of the game forever. Dude, I think I still have skins. Yeah. Some I think them, I still have some cool ones, yeah. like a Deagle, Desert Eagle. I yeah. think I have like a uh, one that has like the bullet counter. Cool. Yeah, you should do it. You should go on there and see what you can sell for. I can send you the website I did it on. It's pretty like on the up and up, I guess. Do I still, people still play it? I think so. CSGO. I think a lot of Russian people still play it. You know what I mean? Well, I guess a lot of the kids that would play Counter-Strike are probably over. Why do games always migrate to different countries? Like StarCraft starts in America and now it's in North Korea. Uh, South Korea. I don't think they South have Korea. StarCraft. Right, yeah. Uh, maybe they do there's a conspiracy kim john un il whatever his name is um i don't know i think some of it had to do with that you know counter-strike 1.6 could be played on older pcs so like all over asia no matter what what are your what are your favorite maps on csgo uh yeah i used to play what is mirage Mirage oh yeah mirage is a good map that map kind of annoyed me though because it wasn't part of 1.6 and it took some getting used to i was more of a global offensive guy this is a really uh they're going to have maybe one audience member. That Dude, there's so many people that love Counter-Strike. Like, this is going to be... I used to watch the I, tournaments. I'll still throw a big national tournament on. On I went to I went to the major uh, in Boston in person and watched America win their first major tournament. This is so nerdy. This is cool. I mean, my favorite map was Dust, uh, just like OG Dust, original. Oh, Dust One. Freaking Dust. Yeah, yeah. not Dust Two. I never liked Dust Two. I'll play it. Uh, yeah, that's the that's Pubbin. That's the public map. Like you know, it's a map that it's fun to play I, with like thirty people. I want to be counter terrorist with that five seven. Is yeah. that the gun? Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna rush to B. Yeah. Is a that... Tactical shield if the server allows it. I'll throw one of those. Really, I never got into the tactic. I would I would do five seven and scout. Cool. Cool. And then I'd wait for people to come into the hallway and and snipe yeah, them. That game's fun, dude. It's freaking fun. Yeah, I had a couple. I had a couple moves with that scout. The other one was Aztec. You remember that? Yeah. 
Dude, that Lost was a fun map. Were fun. Cause I, uh, you always get the rain in the background. My it's gaming like PC peaceful. broke like two months after I moved to Austin, and that was like the best. If if anyone wants advice on how to make it in a field, if it, if you don't need a gaming PC, then just hammer it. Just take a sledgehammer to it. It's, <laughs> what? It's such a. It's the biggest time sink. It's, oh, that's actually probably a good productivity tool or hack. Yeah, if you're sledgehammer looking for quick to the PC. Things, yeah, because it's just. I mean, gaming is unfortunately. I would love to reach a point in stand up where I could twitch a little bit on the side to like thirty or fifty people that liked me, but building that from the ground up is not what I'm interested in. That seems like a hellish existence. And and shout outs to anyone that's managed to. People think that's like the easiest job in the world. Like, they stream for like 12 hours a day. Even if you're like a millionaire, you're yeah. still inside your house for 16 hours a day, which is yeah. like your brain doesn't know that you're you're just going to be miserable. Like that sounds yeah. awful. Even Are you like, not a homebody? I could stay at home I am quite a, a bit. I am a homebody, but like having to do that every day, it just seems so like taxing. I don't know. I, I, I uh, used to be one of those guys who like, they're just playing video games. And then I tried doing it a little bit because I, I used to play Super Smash Brothers in tournament. Oh, yeah. And I'm pretty good at it. So I used to play and I would get like 15 viewers because you do viewer battles. People would sign up and wait for their turn. And uh, even doing that was like, I just annoyed dealing with all the, the people. Most of them are like children. So they're just like pouty when, In you, Smash, when yeah. you win and they beat you. They just like gloat and they're like mean to you. And uh, it's just, yeah, after like three weeks of doing it, I was like, I'm not going to do Dude, this. There's nothing more like violent and aggressive and horrifying than the video game like yeah the shit you say to each other in video game everyone's it's alone like, wrap your lips around a rifle or whatever like yeah. you know, fucking kill yourself yeah you know? they're like, alone at their house yeah yeah like you get so angry you get so angry i don't think i've ever been so angry than in my gaming days yeah for like sure. my buddy and i uh used to play a lot of starcraft and Ooh. him and his brother and me would we'd get on and and you know we'd be on there for like four or five hours and like if we lost a match, the rage that would have like, especially if it was like a tactical error, like somebody spent too long going resources and we got rushed or like we were out of position on a map and got collapsed, that kind of stuff. Yeah. The rage. Yeah. And then it, to anyone outside viewer, you seem completely psychotic oh yeah mad at this anyone thing. watching it yeah like if you someone walks by and sees you Fuck. getting mad at your computer it's like it it literally not only does it not matter it matters less than things that don't matter it's like yeah the most meaningless that's what i mean about i mean i still play civilization on my ipad but I, the gaming thing, it's like I have too many other things that drag my time i like to watch youtube i like to fuck around mm -hmm. and uh gaming is just not and it's not conducive to like a healthy to, life stand up trying to write trying to do like i've never written a joke while playing a video game really i i do uh doctorates and all sorts of shit while i play games yeah well i know That's it's weird it's like i have a few video game jokes but the way the place my brain is at whereas if i go somewhere with my girlfriend there's a chance that something will slip into my head that's like at least gives me something to say i don't know but my even if it's not that funny Video games, it's like, I've tried it. I've been like, oh, I was playing Civilization and I chose Germany. And everyone's like, I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. Dude, it's so. the ultimate time sink because you're yeah. playing like a map you know and a game you know. Yeah. And you've done it a million times. And you're revving up your brain to the max. Yeah. You're like super dialed in, super focused. And I think it's nostalgia too. Like that's the Very thing much that got so. me away from it is like, I'm realizing that I'm just like smoking weed and playing a game that I used to play when I was 14. Yep. 
to try to transport me back to this time when I didn't have all the other excess like stuff weighing on me or whatever. Yeah. And I don't the think that's there's life. other healthy ways to do that. Obviously yeah, the drugs. dude who runs. Yeah. Or anything. <laughs> yeah. It's just a million things you could be doing and more power to anyone that wants to do that. And I always set, tell people if I became knock on wood disabled or something like that, the first thing I would do is just play GameCube for two years straight. It's one thing I've never understood about suicide is like, you know, you could just do like a shitload of drugs and yeah. play games all day just, and eat yourself to death. Yeah. That's what I would do. I know for real. I, my version would just be get on a train and just like, hop, like be a hobo. Like that's my version. That's of, I one. would never kill myself. I would just disappear. Yeah. Yeah. What would you do as a hobo? I don't just know, go to new lands. Come back. Yeah, probably three and a half weeks. Yeah. But How long can you be a hobo? Me, not very long. I'm not able. We just lost power for like a week, and uh, I, I, I almost let me and my girlfriend die from it. You know what I mean? It's just like I'm just so not prepared. So, what do you like? Uh, uh, how do you uh, going back to comedy? Um, what? How do you write? How do you get your material? How do you? How do you come up with stuff? Uh, I. The way, the only way I can do it, which has like been successful for me, at least on a short enough timeline, is I write, I sit down, I try to write, you know, and it's painful. And a lot of people don't write like that, like a lot of comedians. Well, you were saying you don't, you know, like, I obviously you're not coming up with stuff on video games, but I guess what I was leading to was like sometimes ideas pop in when you're out and about. Yeah, I so guess I'll put a note in my phone and then eventually, sometimes I'll just walk up on stage and say stuff, but um, I like to really sit down and write something word for word i'm sort of like i love jerry seinfeld and i love that whole way of doing it and it's just like the way it's not even that i think it's any better or any worse than like i just it's the way it works for me you know what i mean I yeah what's of, his style I, I bought his book um it's pretty cool he like i it's hard to tell like did he craft those and like on a stage or did he write them first and perform it goes them from like paper to stage to paper to stage yeah. to paper to stage. it's probably so like iterative you yeah probably yeah Especially longer stuff, I've re I've probably rewritten on a yellow legal pad at least five or six times by the time I'm doing it a lot. So I've like rewritten it, done it, rewritten it, done it. It just goes back and forth, and I really like doing it that way because it is like painful and like uh, you know, there's whatever resistance to writing, but mm -hmm. when you can kind of do it, I don't know. I I actually like feeling that way. I like feeling bad while I'm writing. I just have that gene or whatever. <laughs> Wait, like, what do you mean? Just being like chained to your desk and like, uh, you know, being put through the arduous process of trying to write stuff on paper and hating yourself. I just like just looking at a blank page and yeah. be like, fucking what? I you feel know. the same way everyone else feels about it because everyone says they can't do it. But I like feeling that way. I like being in a place that just is like, I don't know. It's just fun. It makes me feel like I'm like an old school Hemingway. I know it's yeah, like that's kind of romantic. But you got to yeah, you got you kind of got to pull. You got to get yourself in the zone. You got to bring the yeah. vibes. It's like some people. You ever hear Stephen Pressfield? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I love he that. Talks that's about a book the that I'll try to reread. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that's definitely a big part of what I try to do. And um, I think yeah. a lot of that is like setting up a consistent environment where you have like the same energy that makes you creative. And then you can continue to be creative. And for him, he has his desk and he's got the, the cannon that shoots the inspiration into him or whatever. Like, yeah. I can't remember all of his and things. Like, but like Seinfeld says, like, coffee goes here, pad goes here, yeah, yep. pencil goes here. Like, you have a routine. Yeah. And that brings in the same vibe that allows you to write. And that was like sort of when I first moved to Austin, I just saw that lane. You know, it, it wasn't even something. I think people get too attached to like what they want to be. I don't know. This is only in stand-up. I assume it applies to other fields. But 
you can, I've let it guide me. When I first started, I wanted to be like Bill Hicks or Doug Stanhope or something like that. Like, you know, I want to be the smartest guy in the room and say all this stuff. And then over time, I, I, I gained more of a love for like Mitch Hedberg and Stephen Wright and Dimitri Martin and Anthony Jeselnik. And I realized that I can do that. And that, uh, so it's almost like you said, the muse, it's like it guided me towards a little bit of a lane. And then I just took it and ran with it because I felt like it differed me from other people. And it just worked for me. So I think yeah. that's sometimes, uh, I think some people are fighting against themselves because they already had like this idealized image of like what totally. kind of artist they want to be before totally. they even like have any craft skill at it. Yeah. And then once you gain some craft skill, like if you're a, just a carpenter who doesn't really know anything and then you start to do it and you realize you're really good at this one part of it, it's like, oh, maybe I'll make this my specialty then. But right. if you had decided what your specialty was but when you just got into the generalized field of, field of carpentering you probably choose the wrong thing. That's kind of how I feel about stand-up where it was always like this bug in the back of my brain. I got to try it. I got to try it. Like I'm writing jokes. I mean, I was writing jokes years before I got on stage. And I think I've always enjoyed the freedom of expression that comics have, or maybe not even enjoyed, but like desired and envied even, that they could just say anything. Yeah. And And someone will give you a mic, even if it's at an open mic where no one's listening. It's like truly no barrier to entry it is pretty cool to like have the mic get amplified i mean i but but you know my interests have kind of changed as i as i have gone through it and it would be something like if it was ridiculously easy for me that is the way i could do comedy i think what i really enjoy is hanging out with comics yeah i think that's my favorite part yeah and i hope that's why people you know that want to do stand up i always say you should just go do it because it might be something that you unfortunately get the bug for and then you drive to Austin and forego the rest of your life and, you know, yeah. hope that it works out. Or maybe it'll be like a thing, like you said, that just adds to your roundness of yeah. like runs you out expressing yourself and something you always be proud of yourself that you did. For you sure know. though, people need to explore anything they're interested yeah. in. Otherwise it's like this open loop in your head and you're like, Oh, I should do it. I should do it. I should do it. Yeah. And then even if you decide that you're going to go do something different, at least you close that loop. Yeah. And uh, that's that's definitely living in Austin lends itself more to, you know, coming from Massachusetts and the suburbs and stuff. It's not as, uh, you know, it's like it's just different being here. You see a lot of people that, that are like kind of on a limb and betting on themselves or just experiencing life a little bit more without as much worry i love austin apart from the stand-up scene i think that the community here is getting better and better of people they're cool people yeah they really are and hopefully that means cities all across because you know all the cities uh, across the world have been bouncing back since like covid and all that stuff and so i hope you know i feel like it's getting better here but then you know you turn one corner and you see like a bunch of homeless tents that you didn't see before so it's like I don't know how much of it is me thinking it's getting better or how much of it is me. Do you, you think know. we should help the homeless or do you think that just keeps well, them yeah, a we problem? We should certainly help them. I, mean, well, I don't know. But like, the then they're still going to be alive. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> if yeah. you don't help them, maybe that problem takes care of itself. No, I know. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I know what you mean, obviously. But when people say that, you know, it's not the question of if we should help them or not. It's I think there are some people that would say how do, giving, okay. giving them stuff is what not about helping. What about this idea for the homeless? Yeah. This is my idea. We build a prison for them, okay? Yeah. And it's a safe prison 
where once a day we flood it with like 10,000, 10 million, I don't know however much it makes sense, gallons of water. Okay. So like all of like and the- Drown them. That, well, okay. That's <laughs> a, the idea. I, okay. I'm going with your idea. Okay. <laughs> Did we just solve homelessness in America? No, yes. no. Like you give, a, you, the reason you do a prison is so that everyone has a safe place to sleep. That it's the opposite where you get a keypad on the inside. So you lock yourself okay. in from the crazies on the outside. Okay. I mean, we'll get there eventually, probably. Do you think so that things are going it? It, once we're at like French Revolution status where it's like 98%. Are, is that where we're going? We might be. Maybe. I mean, uh, you're a tech guy. Hopefully they'll figure something out. Once they can 3D print. They're not going to save us. They, they want to sell ads. 3D print food or something like that. Well, that's true. There are some real tech yeah. innovations happening. What do you think of this 3D printed meat? Would you eat it? Um, well, I was a vegan for, uh, like two years. Oh yeah. And, um, uh, I still say I am on stage because I, I've only written five minutes in the past year, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I would, I don't care. I don't care about my body. I just, I was a vegan because I was <laughs> I from that. Massachusetts so and there was a lot of people that were like posting online about how liberal they were. And I thought it would be funny to be vegan so that anytime I was drunk at a party, I could be like, if you're a liberal, then why can't you stop eating cheeseburgers? It's the worst thing for the planet. So I really did it out of a spite. That's and good. I made a, my a Twitter spite name. Diet. Yeah. Vegan Republican was my Twitter name for like uh, a year, which I thought was funny. Nobody else ever thought it was funny. A lot of the things I do, I think are funny and no one else does. So I know the feeling. Yeah. <laughs> That's like being, being a comedian makes you truly realize, wow. Everybody else is way fun. Everyone is not trying to be a comedian. Like everyone I work with out of this restaurant job I have, I don't, they, some of them don't even speak English. They're so much funnier than me. They get so many more laughs. Do they? Yeah, they're great. I mean, they they do act outs. They sing. They're they're happy. They're joyous. And I'm sitting over there scribbling into a notebook like I'm miserable. <laughs> Depressed. Uh, and this will get them. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to get better. Style. This year is about, you know, speaking on the writing thing is coming on podcasts, being more performative, watching yeah. myself and being like, stop being awkward. You know what I mean? Trying well, to get better. You're like, you're a good eye contact guy. I'm not a good eye contact guy. That's I'm not, something. I'm not great. I, I mean, re- maybe just like here cause we're dialed yeah, in or whatever. Facing directly at yeah, each other. Yeah. But, uh, this is a great setup by the way. Thanks. Um, Thanks. the people at home don't know. It's kind of the magic is hidden behind the cameras here. It's I, I'm having a lot of fun, you know, producing this stuff. Cool. Like way more fun than I thought I would. I was always kind of like wanting to get like booked on other people's shows, kind of like you were talking about. Like yeah. it's cool, and I always appreciate an invite to anyone who's interested. Yeah. But uh, it's also fun to have your own setup because then you can really create it just the way you like. Yeah, and then as you get better, I mean, that's the big thing is like value. Like if people are trying to get ahead on like being their own boss and shit it's just you're gonna have to gain value i mean for the last five years i haven't made that much money in stand-up i've had a couple of weekends where i made hundreds of dollars dude you got paid to do stand-up yeah That's infinitely more than me but the goal is that i'm acquiring enough value that someday i'll be able to really cash in on it or whatever which is like what you're doing here is like who knows someone approaches you and just like will pay you a flat rate to record episodes and take it out of their hands you know what i mean so that'd be cool that's That's something i thought about doing is like trying to set up some kind of a studio yeah you definitely you know jimmy clifford's another guy in town who does podcasts that yeah he's been on yeah i know how hard that tech is with like having multiple cameras having multiple because i've tried to do it and i immediately was like 
this is not my route to success. My route to success is trying to tell stupid dick jokes so that someone else approaches me and such a fan that they'll, you know what I mean? Or I can make them enough money. Yeah, you can make money on a dick joke. Yeah. That's a good feeling. Yeah. Or I've never just, felt it, but I have to imagine. Now that I have a girlfriend, <laughs> I'm living in Austin and it's nice weather. I'm like, maybe I'll just be a waiter and not, you know what I mean? It's like once you see the, you know, the failure is not that like the the secondary, what do they call it? The conciliary what's this when you don't get a when you don't win the second oh yeah prize? i can't remember like conciliatory prize something. or something this is this is really speaking i know what you mean to how good of a writer i am but uh we need an ai here yeah but uh and th- 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 i have no fear of like failure anymore because failure is actually gonna still be nice like if i just do open mics and the occasional good show for the next however some odd years live with my girlfriend eventually get a dog Dude, that is kind of the cool thing about doing something that you're really into is the fear of failure goes away because like uh, whatever the worst possible situation is, is better than anything else you could be doing. Yeah. It's like when I was playing Smash Bros. in tournaments, exact opposite. I was like, if I don't get to be like one of the four people that can afford like rent by playing Smash Bros., I've wait. Yeah. Those skills don't really translate to anything else. Yeah, what do they translate to? They don't give me. You any get fulfilling. quick button presses. Yeah, I'm I don't not know how's that useful on any level. Like at least stand up. There's some amount. Of, like even what I've managed to do now, like from where I started, as corny as it sounds, and I'm like far from like things I want to be doing in Austin, like shows I want to be on stuff. I still would am, like very impressed by like where I started and like shows I've done. So it's I mean, like, yeah, that's like you said, just because you're doing what you want. It's like, even if it doesn't work out, I, I'm not going to look back and like resent that I spent. It's like when you're seeing someone that you truly care about, like yeah. you're not as worried about the end because you're like, that's not worth it. Cause I'm just enjoying it now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so you do stand up and you also do writing and, uh, and like kind of some sketch comedy. Yeah. I write, all, um, scripts for myself. I've been doing that for the last few months. Cause it just felt like a natural progression. And I really wanted to like watch movies with more like keen eye. And then I wrote a few sketches that hopefully um, some comedians in Austin are going to make one or two of them soon. Um, and uh, again, just wanted to do it. And it was fun. Me and my friend Matt decided we're just going to try to write a feature length movie. It's going to be the worst movie ever. No one's ever going to make it or even read it, but just to get to the 190th page or whatever, the hundredth page and just be done with it. Uh, speaking of jimmy he uh had a quote i can't remember who it was attributed to but it always does stick in my mind that like if you are working on something new it's kind of going to come out like a faucet that hasn't been used a lot so the water's kind of murky and kind of dirty but if you just let it keep running eventually the water becomes clear yeah and so i think just in the practice of writing just in just in the goal of like i want to create a script doesn't matter if it's picked up doesn't matter if i can sell it um, being able to accomplish that is a cool thing for sure. And then, you know, doing it like, you know, eventually hopefully I'll get paid for it, but it's like, if I can do it now, it's always part of my thing with stand up. Like I'm in the worst possible level of stand up, which is that I debatably am spending more money. Whatever you are, I'm one lower, but yeah, well, it's like, I mean, it's a half step. That's the thing. You know what I mean? It's your first, whatever many years, unless you're like, Michael Che, like a superstar is going to rise from nowhere in like four years. You just get plucked out or whatever. Um, You're going to be just paying money to do it. Like even if I make money here and there, I get free drinks here and there. I still am driving around a lot. You know, Mm -hmm. it's certainly I could have a better job, better hours if I wasn't doing it. 
Um, so, but the thing I tell myself is like, well, if I'm still having fun doing it yeah. on this level, that means it literally, if it ever gets any better, yeah. I'll be on like cloud nine, even totally. if I'm just like a feature and I make like $1,500 a month, it would be unreal to me. It would be totally. like, it would be like being a millionaire because yeah. I'm just, I'm doing this thing that is like, I think you have to add a multiplier onto anything you do. That is like your passion. Yeah. And it's like a 10x, maybe a 50x multiplier. So yeah. if you earn 50 bucks, that's like five, 250 bucks or whatever. For sure. Yeah. And it feels that way. And uh, that's another reason I like Austin. There's a lot of people that I feel like have that mindset where, it re- and it reminds you to not be shitty about bad open mics or bad shows. You know, you're just seeing people. If I didn't, if I call and don't do this spot, someone would be there in four seconds to take that spot. No matter if it's the worst, there's no one in the room. Someone's still going to show up and take it. So it makes you feel like, uh, oh, I have to always have this mindset. It's the only way you're ever going to get really good at it is by like never forgetting like, you know what I mean? That, I mean, there's still like comedians in LA that have been on TV that go to open mics. It's insane. Hans up until he was riding private jets was going to like three open mics a night. And I just think, uh, you know, if there's a lot more people that seem to have that mindset of go up anywhere and everywhere than the opposite mindset that are successful. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's good to like be able to grind. I mean, you really have to have that be your thing. And that's and I, I think that's something I discovered, like in the process of doing it is like this is something that has to be low friction for me in order to pursue it. I'm not willing to sacrifice my entire life to it. Yeah. But there are people like Hans that are like, I'll live in a fucking band. Yeah. For this. Crazy. Yeah. And it really, and I mean, maybe it's actually a bad thing because for every one Hans, there's a thousand me's that are just going to chase that dream off to the edge of the earth. Oh, but I've made peace with that. So, but, uh, <laughs> well, but it comes back to cyclical. like, if you're doing what you love, yeah, then exactly. And it's cyclical. Like you may feel that way about the low friction now, but you know, I, I think it's like going to the gym. Like when I first started stand up, I could only bear the psychic pain of doing it a few times a month mm. because I was that I was so bad. I mean, if anyone thinks I'm bad now in the YouTube comments, go you would not believe me in Western Massachusetts in 2018. Uh but so someday maybe you will feel more right because you because you, you set to, up yeah. routines and you have your places that you, you get avenue, know the yeah. stage you say, and you wow, get yeah you yeah. say wow this guy is a booker now says I can come down every week and do spots that's like a lot of great you know what I mean so really I mean the way to do it is to remove the friction by doing it a ton that's yeah. how you remove the yeah, friction yeah and I mean I, the reason I do it a ton too is definitely like a, a not uh, maybe not a narcissism so much as like I love the feeling of having written something on a piece of paper at 10.30 a.m. that's really silly and stupid and then knowing I'm going to go somewhere and either make someone laugh or bum them out by mm. saying it because it tends to be where my jokes go. Uh, like uh, last night, I mean, I, the first joke did so well at this crappy buzz my open mic it was raining. And then uh, I bombed the rest of the set, but it's just that one joke. And that was the one I was walking around all day being like, I can't wait to tell this one. And so that's where like, I'm a kind of a one-liner guy. So once I have one or two in my head, and I used to tell them to people off stage, and now I've learned, no, I want to save all that momentum for saying it the first time. Because uh, it's so funny to me, because if it works, it's great. I bask in the glory of, of being a genius. And then usually when it doesn't work, it's funny to me yeah. that I was looking forward to this moment. And yeah. now it's not worked. Yeah. That's kind of where standup is like very... Like you said, there's the risk involved. Like if you say something wrong, you're like, ah, fuck, like, can I go back and correct it now? Just let it go. Yeah. And when you think, I think the friction, the way it got a little easier for me was really laughing at the like, wow, this is hilarious. Like when it's going bad, 
because I do it so much, it's like the funniest. When my friends are bombing, it's the funniest. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm friends with some of the most artistic bombers in Austin. Uh, one of my favorite guys, I mean, when he's doing great, it's funny. Matt Hart, he just moved to Austin a few months ago. When he's doing great, it's funny. When he's doing bad, it's, it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in the world because he just sort of like, he flounders in such a magical way when the crowd doesn't like him and i am so jealous of it because i like completely go into myself and like really like turn off and he just keeps trying and uh and i think i don't know that's probably what's got me through it because you do have to be a little bit like you know delusional to be doing uh, psychotic yeah psychotic (laughs) to be doing this because most nights it's awful like you know i mean i brought in like first dates when i lived in boston to like the wrong comedy night when i didn't do well they never will Whoops. talk to you ever again. Yeah, because they're like, this is what you do every single night. They don't understand. They're like, no, one out of ten times. I do like, <laughs> one out of the people chuckle once yeah, in every ten. I do a seafood restaurant and then they give me free shrimp because I did so good. You know what I mean? Like they don't understand the yeah. big time. Yeah. But, uh, this is what's possible yeah. if you stick to your dreams. Yeah. It is fun though. It's like a street. I, George Carlin calls it a street art. And I think that's what uh, – it's like right in my lane where I'm like – I think I'm creative enough to do it, but I don't think I was ever going to write a novel if left to my own devices. That's like too much of a, like I can get up every night for four minutes and build something over time. Yeah. I'm not going to like send somebody a manuscript of like 1800 pages. You know, I will never be able to finish that much, but I can write a few 40 word jokes. Like, Yeah. I don't even think I would be interested in trying something like that. For me, the things that I like are much more like improv and just broadcasting live. Yeah. Whatever it is, it is broadcasting i'm really bad at it but i do like it as my uh, brother went to emerson for a year emerson college um and i've always wanted to do like sports broadcasting but i just never you know what i mean well i just mean by broadcasting i mean i just like whatever is on my mind just speaking it out loud yeah for sure and being on camera that's why i came here to do i'm gonna watch this later and be very critical of like my my body language judging everything this that that yeah. yeah, I just feel like I have to do it. You know what I mean? Some people seem so natural on stage. And then I'm like, I think I could get there by like... Well, that's one thing. idea I've had about bombing is like um, there kind of is a way never to bomb, even if you are bombing, which is what you said, which is your buddy that like, uh, yeah. he, he just like, I don't know, like you find a way to just like laugh at yourself or enjoy it. Or get or, something out of it. Yeah, you know? just get something out of it. Yeah. That's what, uh, I, I have so many stupid one-liner quotes from comedians. Hannibal Burr said that, where he's like, if you're doing the worst open mic ever, there's one thing you can get out of it. There is. Even if it seems like there isn't, there is. And if you just focus on getting that out of it, then all the people that leave the restaurant being like, holy shit, that kid is fucking yeah, a train fucking wreck. Fucking cringe. You just can say to yourself, you don't know what I was, yeah. I got, I got what I needed out of this, you know. It is a little bit selfish in that way. And I kind of feel bad, like with even this podcast, like I do everything exactly the way I want to. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, oh, you should be thinking about the person watching. And I'm like, they'll watch if they like it. And if not, I'm having fun. Yeah. Especially when you're trying to get better at something. Like I'm just getting to the point in my stand up now where I try to imagine being in the front row and like what I would want a comedian like you know but, it's good exercise to put yourself now, in the audience and, yeah up until now it's like i don't even know what i don't know so i've just been flying yeah. by the seat of my pants and then i totally. found this cool lane of writing one-liners and even though now i feel 
it's so funny because as a comedian, you can be completely unsuccessful and then still feel trapped by your act. It's like I have a 10 minute act or whatever, but it took me four years to build it. So it's like, oh no, and I want to be a storyteller. And it seems so, it's like funny because that's like something that like major artists go through because it's millions of dollars riding on the line. But, uh, you know, how, how do you mean millions writing on the line? You know, like if a, if a band like wants to go with a different sound, it can be like, a, Oh, I see what you're saying. Be, yeah. It like can really trouble the members of the totally. band. It can be this weird, like, uh, you know, but that's why you always have to just follow your interest to the yeah. max so that you don't get siloed into one thing. Now people say you need to find a niche and you need to stick to that and yeah. grow it. But like, what if your niche is following your interests? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. And just doing what, you know, that really what all, it's like the Roganology. It's just doing what you love and like. Is that yeah, his yeah, philosophy? Just, yeah. I mean, he just went podcasting when he started. It was like, so. Yeah. Why do you think he started a podcast? I think That'd someone be... mentioned the idea to him and he was like, that sounds fun. I'll do it. And then is like, that, is that for real? Yeah. I'm pretty okay. sure. And then I think okay. other people even told him along the way, like, this is stupid. No one's ever going to. And uh, yeah, like you said, it's like, well, worst case, I just did a thing with my friend. Yeah. Him and Brian Redman are friends. It's like, we just did a thing. It didn't, wasn't successful. I moved on to the next thing. You know? We would be having this exact same conversation at Creek. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's very cool. I mean, uh, I'm a big, uh, also, you know, I always respond to invisible internet people that don't exist. Everyone thinks Rogan's bad at stand up and YouTube comments. You know, the guy who goes and sees him a lot. Dude, that guy crushes. He's very funny. He knows how to do stand-up. Oh, yeah. And anyone definitely. in the comments has not paid a ticket to see him do a headlining set because I went there trying to be snobby guy who just moved here from Boston, Massachusetts, who's in the underground of stand-up. And I'm like, oh. and then I went and saw him and I was like, this man is a master. He's a crap. true professional. He's very funny. Oh, he's so funny. But I, I'll, I have to say, I do think that like where he freaking shines is on his podcast. Not that I've seen a yeah. ton of his standup. I've seen him perform a few times uh, over the years. But um, like there's something that I think he set a standard for in podcasting that I don't know, man. It's interesting. He's an interesting figure. We have a few people out there. He's like Letterman. I mean, my my dream of dreams is to be on the Joe Rogan podcast. That'd be pretty fun, right? Yeah, that people thought about going on Letterman the way that people wanted to be on. They call him the male Oprah. Yeah, I mean, and (laughs) I didn't even know who Oprah is, but and I I think it's funny to like to shit on him because it's clearly this punching up. I mean, it's classic humor, and I think a lot of people online don't like him. So when you shit on him, it gets. People will like that. What's not to like but about I, him? I listen to him so much that it would be so uh, it would be so not genuine of me to be like over like I mean it's less nowadays than it used to be. But there was a point when I started doing stand up where I was listening to nothing but him and Bill Burr's podcast every day for like hours on end. Like oh, I'm an expert. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I go, now what I do is this is my craziness. I pick a comedian I like. I go back to the first time they appeared on the show, and I'll go listen to every one. That's really cool. And uh, but actually, you start to realize that every comedian tells the same like two yeah, stories. Right. Greg, Greg Fitzsimmons, like my favorite comedian, he uh, just fucking tells the same three stories about growing up in Massachusetts in yeah. <laughs> every podcast. I used to do when I was Ubering last year. Would listen to the same. You feel psychotic because it's like you've listened to 50 hours of this guy yeah. now, like the yeah. same guy on, but like over four years of his life, six years of Who his life. Who else do you listen to? What, like any YouTubers, any creators you like? Um, I like iDubs. Uh, I don't I like, know them. Who's that? iDubs. He's like a YouTuber. I-dubs. He's just a very interesting kind of YouTuber. Um, I like this guy, Sam Hyde, a lot. He's a comedy guy that's sort of, uh, he's controversial sometimes online, but I enjoy a lot of his content. Um, Let's think. And then other than that, yeah, it's just like stand-ups. I mean, I'm getting away from listening to stand-ups on comedy podcasts because I, 
I don't want it to like infer too much of what I talk about because I do really short form jokes. So it's very easy for me to like get influenced and yeah, kind of get their voice in your head beat, or whatever. Yeah, similar mm-hmm. beat to what someone does on a podcast because a lot of podcasts are a quick thing like in your head. Um, but uh, the Adam Friedland show is very funny if anyone wants to look it up. Uh, and and uh, I try to like listen to more niche small stuff. There's a podcast I listen to called Worst Possible Timeline. It's a singer of a band that I listen to and uh, another guy who works on like Netflix. He's like a producer. Um, and they probably have like 4,000 listeners, 6,000 listeners um, per episode. So it's definitely like smaller. And uh, I like listening and it's, it's a funny podcast, but they're not comedians. So I try to almost get out of, you don't want to be like, you can't be in something a hundred percent of the time. Uh, but sometimes you find something you're like, that's my drug. Yeah. That's my fucking drug. For a few weeks for sure. But then eventually like, no, you just want to do the drug every day forever. It's yeah. a fucking great drug. I know it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's probably not healthy, but yeah, I just think maybe sometimes with comedians, I don't, I'm like, I'm past the point where I like listening to like albums, obviously, and watching specials, but. I want to develop some type of, obviously my personality is not Your fully own developed thing, yeah. on screen and on podcasting and stuff. And I think that I need to like try to erase some of that from my head, but it's cyclical. Like after I write like 10 minutes in a month, maybe I'll go back to, and I'll listen to like 10 episodes of a comedy podcast. I haven't listened to in a long time. People get in your head, man. Yeah. Like I listened to a ton of Jordan Peterson and then yeah. I would always be saying exactly right or whatever, you know, like you get like their mannerisms, yeah. their turns of phrases. But I, I don't even think that's bad. It's almost like an first an homage. And also like, there's something that resonates with that creator. Yeah. Uh, you know, like maybe like the way Lex Friedman is a podcaster. I love like the way he asks questions or like, there's something that resonates with you. And I think that's one of the coolest things about podcasting in general is it creates an opportunity to like surface, not only these creators, but all the minds that they find. Yeah. And then everyone gets to like participate in this marketplace of ideas. And it really only takes like one good, like you and I are going to have a million good ideas in this exchange, but it really, for me only takes one good idea to make it really worth it. Yeah. And Oh, I know that's like the, my mindset behind, I read all the hacky comedy books. I've read every single one. I watch all the writing podcasts and that's my mindset is like, this is one, this podcast called hot breath. And I think mm-hmm. there are episodes and there's stuff you can glean off it that might not be pertinent to me specifically. I've seen it. Who, who is that? Um, I've seen that on Joel YouTube. Byers. He's a comedian and he just, he does a really inside baseball podcast about stand-up comedy. And some of the stuff is not for me. Like sometimes comedians will say something and I won't agree necessarily. But then if there's one thing I take out of the podcast that I carry with me while doing standup, it's well, it's yeah, well worth right. the two hours of just in the background noise while I was doing something else. And that's a lot of what like this, uh, how people consume this type of yeah. content is a, a, like an audiobook. You, yeah. You're doing other stuff. You're working out. You're cleaning. Yeah, it's very cool. And there is like a lot of stuff yeah, to it be is gained. Cool. I mean, I, I am not, I didn't go to college for writing. I don't, and I'm, you know, I'm far from. I didn't graduate high school. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So it's like, I'm far from, you know, but even the fact that, again, the fact that I've, I have five minutes that will make most people in all the 50 states laugh is uh, a testament to podcasting. Cause I no, have, where do you put your stuff? Uh, I've seen your clips on Instagram. Instagram. I have a TikTok, but, uh, because I'm a good American, I'll I'll delete it and then I'll re-download it when I want to upload clips and nice. then I delete it again. Same I, for me, but with Pornhub. Yeah, I don't need them to be spying on my yeah. uh, my activity. Um, and then uh, Instagram and YouTube. Uh, Instagram is a big one, I think. Uh, that's what I, 
you know, to speak like a, a douchey LA person, that's that's why I connect with the most. I just feel like I get the most reach out, like random people. Like I have a few people on Instagram and they're the funniest people in the world. I actually like the few, I, I wouldn't call them fans because it's not like I sell tickets or anything like that. But there's a few people who followed me off Kill Tony or followed me off a random thing that really enjoy what I do that I don't know. And they're so funny. They're just like Gen Z kids that only post TikToks. There's no real pictures of themselves on their profiles. And the TikToks they post are so bizarre. I don't even understand them. And I realized the other day how much I love that those are the people that really will like stick with me. I'm like, I just got to gain more of these weird like yeah. eccentric like shut in sort of nerdy <laughs> that's your crowd nerdy gen zers like i don't know yeah it seems to be the people that like the few people that have fuck with me uh on instagram and it's i like that i don't even know what they look like that's the coolest part is that i'm not giving them anything except my content and they seem to like no it. dick pics nothing yeah it's like cool <laughs> it's just cool to like not have an obligation to someone past because your friends would be like i'll come see you because you're my friend and you'll be like, yeah, but would you pay $10 to see me if I wasn't your friend? And when you have a few That's people, a great question. Yeah. And I don't expect them to. Like there's that stupid TikTok that says, uh, why aren't you famous yet? Because you didn't buy my shit. It's like, yeah, I don't want my friends to just buy my shit. I want my shit yeah, to be good. That's so, true. Yeah. You don't want people to just like support you arbitrarily. Yeah. You want people to support you because it's fucking great. Yeah. All my closest comedian friends are the people like shout outs to Jesse Rowling. Shout outs to Ben. Shout outs to Alex Olinger. Because when I get off stage and I did bad, they'll be like, wow, that's bad and i'll be like thank you because i can't live in this world i want to be good at this i don't want to yeah you don't want to be deluded into yeah. something yeah yeah so i think that's so cool to like have a few people online and sort of see the beginnings of oh if i could get this to 500 yeah. people then i get it to 5,000 people and because they they do all feel fill a similar mold i've noticed on their profile really yeah it's their their weird anime profile picture people mine's like 50 year old women wait what's yours anime yeah like profile? i would say 18 to 23 like trying to figure out life maybe a bit on uh like the maybe an undiagnosed condition or two mentally and uh it's funny i just i, I messaged one of them today because they post like four tiktoks on their story and i thought they were so funny that was just like, oh, your story game's A plus. And to like, uh, I only bring the best memes to my, you know, they're all meme. Like, they're like meme 22-year-old kids. It's very funny. Like, they make me feel old. Do you follow them back? Um, I will. Sometimes I follow back when they're private and they don't even accept it. But they continue to follow me and comment. And dude, yeah, that means, it's so sappy to say. But I'm just like, to have anything that anybody's even worth eight seconds of their time. Yeah. Is like you know thank you it's legit yeah it's very cool but it's cool that there's even an opportunity to put your stuff out there see if it resonates with people and kind of like build that toehold of people that support your shit yeah and you got to be so grateful that anyone finds anything you do interesting because like that's the whole thing in entertainment is you're trying to present what something like yeah. i want attention i guess i don't know yeah trying to like get, why get why do time. people want to be entertainers i asked myself this yeah I didn't get enough attention grew up fat fuck what is it yeah it's a lot of things uh it's definitely if anyone pretends like it's not mostly like a narcissistic thing i mm -hmm. think they're kidding themselves and then for me there's some amount of fulfillment from it you know? and now i do think there's some really good like actors and yeah. they just found out that they can take on these different roles and these different characters and they can portray them in a really convincing way that tells a story and that's really cool but i think a lot of people are just like how much attention can i get and yeah what can but I get honestly paid for it? if you ride that to the top like i'm sure kevin hart is probably kind of like that but it worked out pretty well for him so 
Yeah, he's a good I, example I of, a, of a brand guy. I like those guys, actually. I, I totally respect that. Yeah, and like identifying your motivation for it, I guess. I, that's what I've tried to eliminate. Um, not just like, because when I moved here, I was just like, I don't want to be toxic. That's what everyone is always telling himself. Because stand-up drags you into that, mm-hmm. no matter who you are. <laughs> but I said, uh, not only do I not want to be toxic, but I want to understand the motivations behind why I'm being toxic. And I want to see why it's stupid so like let's say i run into someone out here that just produces all their own shows and seems to get booked because of that maybe they do podcasting and they don't do stand-up the way that i think it should be done i used to be like well i just i'm gonna ignore that because even though it bothers me but now i'm like why does it even bother me this person is just navigating uh, trying to get sort of to the same destination i am trying to get money in their pocket they're not taking any money out of my pocket certainly you know what i mean and then that's good for them. You know what I mean? We yeah. can, they can learn from me and I can learn from them. And like, it's not, there's not like a, people have weird motivations Yeah, and, and some, they don't, and they don't analyze themselves and ask and ask why they're motivated to take the actions and do the things that they do. Yeah. But I think that's really important because otherwise you end up hurting people Yeah, and you end up getting in your own way and fucking yourself over in, in so many different ways also. For sure. So like, like even selfishly, you should like try to analyze like, what are you doing and why and even if it's a little toxic, that's fine. Like, I don't yeah. think there's anything wrong with wanting a little bit of attention. Uh, it's it, but, but more power to you if you have no desires for that. If yeah. you're totally content with just like a regular life. I just have been proven stand-up is really good, you know. And this will probably be, you know, the only time. I hate saying stuff like this sometimes on podcasts because it does get into such an earnest place. And then you see my act and you're like, okay. But uh, <laughs> it's... Stand-up is this thing where people will always make the joke now that they'll show that meme of Rogan and they'll say, like, comedians think they're philosophers and they just talk about diarrhea on stage or whatever, which is true. I mostly talk about diarrhea on stage. But what stand-up does is... Whitney Cummings this, comes to mind. Yeah, and but his, what stand-up does is not the philosophy as far as, like, their stand-up act. It's the, Most of the people that have done it have had this solitary, like, sailboat through an ocean that they didn't know they were going through. And these life experiences have forged them to be this sort of uniquely, like... To craft a perspective. Yeah, and like an armor against, you know, I mean, even me, being on Kill Tony three times, doing bad ones, doing okay ones, and doing good ones, this armor that I've built up to like, okay, so the good comments and the bad comments are all sort of meaningless you can use them mm-hmm. to guide you but just being like i gotta keep doing it and like these are always going to come these are all going to happen sometimes 11 bad comments are going to happen on the same day yeah but then the next day where you have seven good comments is right around the corner and just also or an invite or like it yeah. leads to something and you all of a sudden feel better and so that's yeah. like why i really find comedians interesting especially the ones that have managed to succeed are like you really can't get through that fire without being like changed by it i think and it's probably yeah. true of band members i mean i know a lot of friends that are in touring bands that are becoming bigger and bigger and i see them changing in a good way like you know becoming you know grown men like and now we're all 30 but these guys are now having income and they drive around the country in a van and it uh that's what like we said even if i fail at stand-up I'll just be such a better person. And well, such, I think you're right. I think yeah. there's something about it that changes you, yeah. and I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. I well, think- first of all, you're thinking outside the box. You're sitting down and you're writing. I don't know how you write, but like for me, it's a lot of, uh, and I'll do this even if I'm not performing. I'll just write about things that frustrate me. Yeah. And you're just trying to get like whatever's inside on the page, not even on the page, out of you. It's almost like poison. You got to get it out. Yeah. 
And but sometimes it's not poison. Sometimes it's good stuff. But yeah. either way, most of the time it's bad. Yeah, most of the times it's my, bitching about what my, you're pissed about. Yeah, my batting average is incredibly low with my writing <laughs> stuff that I keep. Well, I think that's like everyone though. Like any writer, I I don't know where I've heard this, but um, you got to delete. Like editing is like delete ninety percent of what you write. Yeah. Like anytime I go back and read what I wrote like months ago, I'm like fucking cringe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. why did I have to say it like that? You dork. <laughs> um, we we probably have some crossover in the writing books that I've at least scanned. There's one that says you know there's two brains. There's when you're writing. Uh, initially it's like no editing at all. And then you go back as like the scribe and you look mm-hmm. at it and be like the editor. Yeah. The real editing or whatever. Yeah. And then, uh, and just writing is, re- if anyone out there is a writer, like, especially if you're a standup comedian, there's one thing I can say, I try to give like hard advice when you have stuff that works, it's mostly just rewriting stuff. Like you always want to be building new material, adding new minutes. But the thing I've learned in the last few months is like rewriting. Once you have some nuggets of stuff that works, really rewriting that and trying to expand on it and really, yeah. That's like a big thing that I wish I had done more of than always trying to write new, new jokes. Uh, Jason Rodriguez yeah, is a great comedian from Austin. Kind of I got to talk to him more. Tip me I haven't into seen that. him in a bit. He's amazing. Like he's actually reached, I thought he was amazing when I moved here and he's very much. Oh, like, he's a great comic. I've seen him perform uh, maybe like a half dozen times and I've seen him do really well at He's Creek. much like me on stage too. Like I, I, I like guys like that because they show me that if I keep working, I can get there doing it the way I do it, which is mostly writing heavy jokes and standing and standing still and delivering. And, but recently he's taken that and he learned how to get to that next level with like acting out a little bit more, just being a little bit more himself on stage. He's been like absolutely crushing it the last three times I saw him. But he said, honestly, I was writing like less new stuff and just like refining, just ironing. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that's what I mean. Like it's cyclical. Like sometimes I'll go to 15 mics in a week and other other weeks i won't and you just have to be honest with yourself am i not going to a mic because i'm lazy which is most of the time i was gonna say that's like all the time for me but once in a while it is like no it's because i had these shows this week and i'm really more focused on refining these chunks than i am an open mic yeah. for me is really only worth going there to say stuff that i've only said less than three times on stage like that's what i'm doing at an open mic you probably will see me do a few old jokes in open mics because i got scared while i was up there and i started doing bad and that's like my panic mode but well, you I'm, need something to fall back on. Yeah. But if I'm at an open mic and I'm really working the way I want to be working, I, I hope to show up there with a few new minutes every week. Like, Can you share any premises with us of like stuff that you like thinking about or talking about? Or uh, Well, I, I, see, all my things are one-liners. So, like I did this joke last night. I say, uh, you know, I saved a girl um, from a train once. I pushed her out of the way and let all those guys fuck me instead. Oh, my God. Uh, it's just a stupid one-liner joke I thought of. Now I've already got tags for it and I'm trying to get because it worked. So now I'm like, oh, one thing works. Now I can jump off that and try to make two more train jokes. Like, cause now we're already into the, so that's kind of how I operate, but, uh, it's not how most people in Austin do it. Most people in Austin are much more, I wish I had more of a point of view. Hans said that to me one time. He's like, yeah, but what do you want to say on stage? And I'm like, I don't know, dude. I just like writing silly. Dimitri Martin is like probably, Dimitri Martin and Anthony Jeselnik are probably like my two favorite comedians of all time. One of my favorite things that he said at an open mic was we all get to pretend to play comedian. This is before he blew up. Yeah. And he was like, we all get to pretend. That's how I feel about this podcast sometimes. We all get to pretend to play podcaster. Yeah. But, <laughs> but hey, I got some clips. We'll get some clips out of this. That and you're only well. pretending until you aren't. So it's like, right. you know what I mean? As lame as that sounds, I think there is a... Well, there there is a quote that like... um Ah, shit, it's not fully coming to mind, but it's something around the idea that you have to like be a pretender. It's not fake it until you make it. It's that any artist starts out as an imposter, as an imposter. Yeah, like steal you like have an to artist. mimic. Yeah. 
other things, what other people have done. And then through that process, you find your voice and your style. And I'm a cynic at heart. So like, you know, I'm like currently I don't do my own podcast because, you know, I'll regret when this one goes online (laughs) talking about stuff so earnestly and shit that I said. But, you know, I'm starting to let go. I'm starting to let go of that, like cynical or feeling like you have to just go for it. Like if I mean, I moved to Austin, Texas, I let go of a full time career. I haven't seen my family in a year. You know, everything about my life is different. So to hold back because I don't want to seem like I'm trying too hard or whatever, it's like very silly. Yeah, especially when your actions are like very geared toward this one end. Yeah. And uh, and like some of my favorite comedians ever, like Nick Mullen, you know, I got in this. He's very cynical and he hates comedy, you know, because comedy beats you down. And I for a while was doing that because I think it's funny that he does that. But I noticed that it would... That's not how I am towards it. I still have this like glossy eyed, I'm going to make it type look. And it's okay that I feel like that way. And I don't have to shy away from it. But there is something about a cynic that makes a good comedian because they see the bullshit and they see how things are wrong. And they're like, you know, Bill Burr. But only if it's your act. Like Bill Burr has done his whole life. He's talked about how this anger, like, is the biggest thing that plagues my life. And I try to keep it contained to my act now. But that's what makes him so That's how I feel about like my, like, you know, cynicism or my, like, I'm, you know, I'm a real artist. I want to keep that to my act as a funny character. I don't want that to be me. Like, cause that's not me. I listen to pop music. I fucking, I'm a dork. I, like no one is as cool. Austin, a lot of people do think they're very cool. Like, I'm pretty you, fucking cool. You meet at bars. I'm talking about like uh, <laughs> metal and punk dudes. That no, I'm a dork. I'm the world's biggest dork. Like people, they're, ta- they're so tattooed. It's like, you used to have to be like cool to earn like tattoos. You know what I mean? Like you had to yeah. have lived a life. And now people come out of like college looking like, they toured. Yeah, they got a full sleeve. Yeah, like they toured Leonard Skinner for fucking 20 yeah. years. And it's like, no, I I just, I, I have a remote call center. you have any tattoos? Uh, I have a few. Um, one on my cast. cheek. Oh. It's a picture of a, it's like a band's logo. It's a bomb. But I got it tattooed like weeks before the Boston bombing happened. And so I remember I was walking around. I was wearing shorts during the summer when I when I found out it happened. And I was like, shit, this is like, people are going to think, I don't know. Well, luckily it's been long enough. Yeah um shout you out could, you could get a joke out of that though i feel maybe that's actually a good point that's another reason i want to do podcast too because i don't do off script on stage a lot like i'll only i only talk to a crowd if they force me to if they've decided that what i do is not what they want they want mr interaction or whatever guy. so i'm trying to do pods more because uh it puts me way out of my element speaking off script well the nice thing about doing open mics is if you have a good group of comics like alden has his tag mic yeah and they'll just give you tags, and some of those are really good. Yeah, uh, I, I, I sometimes I'm a little too sensitive for the tags. Sometimes, like you don't you don't like to do a, a stuff that other people wrote. Yeah, no, I just like isolate from it because sometimes I take it the wrong way, or I just it's my it's totally my problem. It's not like anyone's ever given me a tag and they've meant, but somehow I think like oh they think they're funnier than me, you know. You but I know that, than me. Yeah, I know that about <laughs> myself, so I have to sort of insulate my act from other comedians sometimes, even ones that I like. Because uh, I do get in my own head. Like, you know, my friend Cody one time about a thing I wanted to do during one of the stories I was writing. He, uh, he was like, I don't like doing that. It, was a, it involved playing a sound effect off my phone. And uh, it stuck with me. And I was like, oh, Cody says it's lame. And it's so funny because even he would tell you, well, just do it. Even though I think it's lame. Like, you got to try yeah, it. Yeah. But I, so I know that about myself now. And it almost affects the way I would say it once someone else puts their grubby hands on it yeah sometimes so you insulate yeah sometimes you do have to insulate well i see it both ways like um 
I think in general, you should just express yourself to the max. Like, I don't know, people get all being like, oh, you shouldn't overshare. You shouldn't get too personal. Yeah. Like you don't want to maybe like call out your grandma on your podcast or whatever. Like there's a limit to like oversharing for sure. But um, in general, I think people that are trying to create something novel, interesting, they should just follow their intuition, follow their interests. And even if it's cringy or bad, at least you got it out of you. Yeah. And, and I think there's always going to be somebody that resonates with you because you are a man like other men. Yeah. And there's going to be somebody out there like your anime guys or whatever yeah that dig your material yeah no and it's uh it's it's been said over and over again but that is a lot of like eventually with stand-up you start to see little peaks in like into oh i was really being me when this happens so like now that i have like sort of a 10 minutes or 15 minutes there'll be moments and shows where i'm doing well enough that i get enough rope to be more improvisational because I feel that the crowd likes me a lot and I'm yeah. not able to do that. I mean, bless anybody like, although Casey Rock is not completely improv, but bless anyone that can go on stage with that energy without knowing how the crowd. But he's gonna... got a framework. He's definitely got a framework. No, for sure. But he goes up there and he's going to do that whether or not the crowd fucks with him or yeah. not, which is yeah. insane to me. 20 more minutes, three more hours. Yeah, because <laughs> I can only build I up... love his energy. I want him on the show. I can only build up to that when I know, when my jokes have earned X amount of laughter from the audience and they've given me their seal of approval. Then you'll start to see me say some yeah, shit that, I, you get, that I'm thinking of on the spot. And when I'm in that mode is when I'm really like, oh, so that's who I'm going to be eventually. Once yeah. I can just be that guy more of the time. Yeah. But so my version of it is having these tight written jokes, these one-liners, and then in between I get to try my stupid thoughts. And so when that one doesn't work, I can go right back. But to how do you know when you are in that zone? It just had like now that I've been doing stand-up four or five years, there's a notable difference between a show that when I get off stage, I'm going to kiss my girlfriend and say, this is that a great a night. Show. And there's a, there's a show where she knows I'm going to get off stage and we're going to ride home in silence, <laughs> which shout out to her. I got to deal with that better we've had a couple of, of rides and silence because i can't get it out of my own feels honestly it's because like i'm I, i'm looking at her like isn't it embarrassing to date me after watching me do that but if, there's got to be like something that you can tell when you're in the zone yeah uh, but i don't know what it is for myself even yeah i mean i'm so like meticulous with the writing of it that eventually i just have a set where i can kind of do it on autopilot and when the crowd just starts fucking with me immediately then just it's all systems go and it's fun. Because don't you feel like the crowd and like even it's hard to say the crowd, but like how people react to you is going to shape you. For sure. Like yeah. I come out of my shell 100%. It's actually something I have to work on. Like, and it's fun. You can really glean things off of uh, like uh, Tony. When I was on uh, Kill Tony, I did my set. And then afterwards, I put the mic back in the stand. He immediately noted my body language. He was like, oh, your body language has shifted entirely. And it was funny because I don't think anyone else noticed it. Of course, I've watched it 100 times. And uh, he just immediately caught on to something, which is like, oh, I hide behind my act on stage a lot to the point where if I don't have my act, I feel like I'm like naked on stage. So I'm like crossing my arms and I'm like, I'm not like holding the mic and stuff. Yeah, and I'm this different person. Yeah. I'm no longer a comedian where but some people are the opposite. So some people are just on, I mean, some, that's what Austin Thomas. is. Some comedians are just fucking, but wow. they've trained it. Don't you think they've some trained of them, it? And then some of them are just, they've natural. had this moment where they turned, you know, uh, a lot of them have had like a turning moment, like Casey, like living in his car, moving here, Hans, like they had this moment where they just decided like, this is it. 
fuck it if you like it fuck it if you don't like i think you have to have that attitude yeah. because what you're presenting is your take yeah and i'm getting there i mean my version of it's a lot different like that's the thing you can learn so much me and casey if you watched us both on stage we were so different one he's funny i'm not but two he's like physical he's he's so like jim carrey-esque almost like mm-hmm. uh rory scoville tons but, of energy but what i learned from him was what i do i love that jeselnik thing i love saying a one-liner and i'm growing to love the laughs as much as i am the the whole oh. last night i said a joke right after the train joke that worked that empty i never said before i said uh guilty is a weird word to use in a courtroom like oh we find the defendant guilty says who i'm glad that bitch is dead and it was just some <laughs> joke about like saying it's a weird term but I didn't realize how harsh it was going to sound when I said it because I was only reading it. Um, and when I said it, there was a girl in the front row that was just like, oh, because it is like, oh, yeah, that is like a violence against women joke. I wasn't really thinking. I'm, I'm doing like a Seinfeld-esque, like, guilty is a weird word. Yeah. Uh, but I kind of like that because I'm like, now we both are alive now because I feel yeah. weird about saying that in front of you. You feel kind of shook because you liked me for a second and now you don't like me. So, and that's what I learned watching Casey. I'm like, cool. That's my, I like, I'm going to lean more into my thing. I like making yeah. people, it's funny that with a stupid joke I wrote sitting at my desk smoking weed, that I can make you uncomfortable a little bit and then make you laugh afterwards. Yeah. It's the goal eventually. <laughs> yeah. Make people feel something first of all, yeah. and then ideally have yeah. it be funny. And I used to shy away from <laughs> But at that. least you're feeling something. I have a lot of clean minutes because I didn't like when it went wrong. And you know, my girlfriend be like, why do you do those jokes? People don't like them. But like you said, I'm like, well, I'm tapping into something. There they're paying attention, which is like for a long time. Yeah, that's actually 80% that wasn't even of it. the case for the first three years of my, you know, doing stand up. People would just talk over me. So the fact that now people are like, what the fuck is this guy going to say next yeah. is uh, also some power. It's fun. You know, again, the narcissistic thing is like, yeah. I have the power, I can ruin your date right now if I yeah. want to. I have jokes in the bank to yeah. ruin your date. Yeah. Uh, yeah. some comedians have said shit and it sticks with me and I'm yeah. just like, I can remember it. And I'm like, is that why you said it? <laughs> so that it sticks I've with been me. to shows with my girlfriend, with previous women that I've dated where the comedian does a certain type of joke. And it's just weird between me and her last night. Cause they nailed it. They nailed some dynamic that we were going through at the time. And, uh, that's so funny to me that a guy can just like roll up, get paid $20 and shake the foundation of like your relationship yeah. <laughs> with a stupid joke about the differences between men and women. All right. But when you show up to a club, like you're a comedy fan, what are you, what are you there for? Me personally? Or yeah. Yeah. Um, as a fan or like, uh, what do you think people that go to see live stand up are, are there for? I like to think romantically that it is, uh, it's the last, like people are yearning for not their screen or whatever they want to be in person for, for what for not being in their screen like you know stand-up is this very visceral it's very like, live but you know part of me thinks that's probably just because i'm in the business uh and that more likely it's more like vaudeville where it's like on its way out you know what i mean you, know? you think so who knows dude i mean do you think the vaudeville guys in the 20s thought they're they probably thought they're gonna be printing money for the rest of their fucking life really i don't know i think that's that slapstick is like kind of a little dorky i does i know but it's easy i mean look at look at 80s comedy it's super dorky you know what i mean so i but i, I think that's what's cool about how stand-up has evolved is it's more about first of all just calling out bullshit saying wrong shit yeah that you're not supposed to say i don't know maybe this is just what i'm into well, yeah, exactly. It's like cultivating, you know, like Theo Vaughn is a guy who's cultivated this audience. Weirdly, because when you see him on the surface, you're like, this guy's, you know, funny, he's goofy, but he's a very sensitive guy. And his podcast is yep. very, gets into his emotions, very honest. gets into his sobriety. And he's sort of garnered this whole section of the internet um, by 
being himself and doing that. So that's part of stand up too. That's what I'm learning with like, you know, it seems like most of the people that fuck with me on my Instagram play Minecraft or whatever. But it's funny because like if I was their age, I would be playing Minecraft too. So like it makes sense. So that's the other part of it where it's like, uh, it's cool that now people can really get a vibe. I, that, that's why I like to do the musicians. I like knowing everything about a musician's life, where they grew up, what apartment they lived in. like Because um, it provides color to their music. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's uh, and it's interesting from a person who has their own. You ever role. find somebody and you're like, oh my God, that's like, the guy. Oh yeah. I mean, I have a few. It's a good feeling. I, and I, I have a few. I'm, I'm like a, I'm like a pretentious music guy. So like I'm pretentious, but not like jazz and stuff like with punk music and shit um but i have a few people but then you find people and you're like wow this guy's a horrible person but uh it's that's also can you separate the musician yeah, from the artist or the art yeah me too like uh, i don't give a shit that kanye west is a terrible person i don't even think he's that terrible i think he's a contrarian that yeah. likes to say wrong shit only he's kind of like a comic in that way and he's over covered he's like a very much a voyeuristic like you know what i mean anyone, yeah like anyone who's covered that much is going to have very big missteps Overcovered, you mean like he's too exposed? Yeah, it's just like yeah. you know what I mean. If, you're, if you have that many words written about you a day, well, yeah. that. But I f- I feel like he's yes, he's overexposed or overcovered. Um, but I feel like he doesn't understand the impact of his words. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's yeah. he's just off the hip. But yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I so, think. But it's like, do you think he should be held accountable, like for shooting from the hip when like? I don't know. He doesn't strike me as a hateful person. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know about should or shouldn't just because I don't have enough, like, even knowledge of everything. But I don't know. I I don't let that. The only couple people I would say have steered me away from, I'd say, like, I don't think I could because I never listened to Bill Cosby's stand-up before. I don't know that I could listen to his stand-up and separate that, but that's really... He's on tour again. That's kind of an exception, not the rule. Did you hear that? He's on tour? Yeah, I mean, he never stopped. How crazy is that? Even in prison, he's going cell to cell? Well, I'm it seems like as a guy who's been accused of that, you think he would just, you know what, I'm just going to retire. You'd think so, right? Uh, but like, again, no, I, what did he do? Like drugged women, right? Yeah. Insane, like insane, I mean, crazy shit. And he's like, I'm just gonna, uh, ignore that and go back on tour. Yeah. Well, um, so I, okay. but for, he's probably the exception where like, I don't really care. Like I'm, I'm a pretty, I don't stout. care that he's out there. I mean, he's old and blind. What does it matter? I'm a pretty stout defender of like, if you like it, listen to it. Like I yeah, listened to black metal from like fucking norway that the guys are like white supremacists or whatever like that but it's like yeah they're just dumb guys that grew up on a farm and play guitar and i like their songs yeah Uh, but i wouldn't necessarily die on the like so for example my girlfriend if i'm listening to rogan not with headphones on she'd be like can you just I just don't like hearing his voice. And old what? me, really? Yeah, old me would have been like, "You don't get it. Like, you don't get it. Like, you don't have any men's lives. He's improved all this shit." And then it's like, <laughs> you know, you get older. And you're like, I heard someone say this. That guy Sam Hyde that I like. He said, "If you want like a red pilled, like, you know, then you want to date a guy." It's like your girlfriend doesn't. You don't need to like. That's a good point. You don't need to. That's butt a really head. good point. Yeah, you don't need to butt head. It's almost your, better if she doesn't like Rogan. Yeah, it's like, and dude, she makes me such a better person for that. Perspective. What do you do? You think he's got a little bit of cult vibes as a cult leader? No, I just think my girlfriend thinks my girlfriend's probably main concern. If you asked her about it, was just the general the COVID stuff that he went through, where it was just like, you know, he just says a lot of shit. I think there's a cult of Rogan. 
I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I'm. Certainly, I want to be a priest in it. I'm certainly part of the cult of Rogan. I, yeah, me I've too. taken alpha bread more than four times, which <laughs> that counts. Yeah, that counts. I if you've ever bottle, gone in a float tank, you're in the cult of Rogan. Yeah, I bought a bottle of alpha bread, and I probably would take it still if it didn't. The only if thing it worked change for me was just gave me sleep paralysis. So if you're looking for a cheap way to give yourself sleep paralysis, what then, is alpha brain? It's a nootropic. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like, like Adderall theanine, exists. Theanine. <laughs> like if you want to stimulate yourself. I think I should start fucking with theanine, though, because when I was taking it... Oh, I have heard uh, Huberman talk about that. So it's got theanine. Yeah, it has a bunch of shit. I think the theanine is what I was feeling, and it gave mm. me, like, sleep paralysis because I would, like, take it too close to bed or something. What is sleep paralysis? Um, It's like when you wake up and you're eyes are awake sort of and you're but you're not your body can't move i don't know if you never experienced it it just sucks if you ever even heard of it because now i've exposed you to this thing that exists that you didn't know <sighs> you're gonna placebo me or yeah. nocebo me into it uh yeah there's a pretty no i've had some it. weird sleep shit let me tell you about it yeah sleepwalking uh really? oh yeah tons of it oh wow mike raviglia has a whole album about when he found one man show about when he found out he's called sleepwalk with me uh, and he, he has this terrible sleepwalking disorder and it ruined his life for years like he, he ended up at mcdonald's just binge eating uh he like fell out a hotel window and like hurt himself Holy really shit. Bad. Oh, okay. that's yeah legit. so uh it's a really good you first off you check it out and second off sleepwalking that's interesting dude i'm so glad i don't know uh when i was like a kid i was at this uh you know kids go to camps or whatever and it was like a church thing like a religious camp and i was staying with like four other guys in this room and i have no memory of this still to this day except i remember waking up in the closet but uh, one of the guys told me that I went into the closet and just said, John, there's a hanger in here. <laughs> like, what the fuck does that mean? But uh, I've done a ton of sleepwalking. Like, That's I remember really it's really scary, scary shit. Uh, when I was I'm just going to share all my stories now. Uh, when I was first married, uh, one of the first nights of like us living together in this little apartment, I, my ex-wife came into the room and I basically woke up, got out of bed and like chased her out of the house like a fucking psycho. And I didn't wake up until I was way out of the room. Whoa. And so I think I have some weird sleep stuff. Yeah, dude. I can't even imagine me, dude. Like, my what does any of that mean? I, I, if anyone knows in the comments, leave a comment. Um, the the I only get sleep paralysis when I'm like really overtired. Um, is it? I, but paralysis is like you're you're laying still. You're not. Yeah, and then I have to like understand that. You know, it would freak me out when it would first happen. Uh, now I like understand what's going on, so I have to like try to just like shake my body awake or whatever. I, oops, oh, I, try to, I like move my toe. Okay, I think oh. I have experienced something like that. Yeah, it's very freaky, and sometimes people can kind of. Uh, still be dreaming a little bit so you can yeah. just like hallucinate stuff in your room or just have a feeling of like so what does it dread. feel like i just have like a feeling of dread when it happens but i've learned to like recognize when it happens and not freak out um and yeah i'm just like it feels like my whole body is like a bag of sand or whatever like it just like can't move um for a little bit and then usually i can like i read a thing online where you just start moving your face or your toe and then like eventually you can get yourself to kind of like jar awake um but I've always just been like the deepest sleeper ever. Like me and my girlfriend actually struggle with it. I'm like never had a problem sleeping in my life and she's like borderline um, insomniac. Mm. Uh, so I think that's probably part of the problem is that like whatever my sleep chemicals are just intense. Like I'll wake up and just not be able to move because they're just like my my whole body seems still like a big advantage actually yeah you know it's really good. like I mean, sleep is important right never struggled with going to bed really like there'll be a few nights where you know, 
the few nights in my whole history of being alive, most of the time I like, fall asleep in the back of a car. Shit, it's I'm I feel so. I've met so many people that have the opposite problem. That I love the fact that I can just curl I can up. fall asleep, but yeah. if I sometimes I will wake up and if I'm bothered by something, that's it. Really? Like I'm up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people like that too. I feel like I mean, my girlfriend's almost like thinks I'm like a sociopath, but I, she doesn't understand that it's not like that. I don't not affected by whatever happened. Like if something bad happened to me or something, it's just that sleep is like the ultimate. All right, well, I'm going to deal with it tomorrow, I guess. It's pretty crazy that like you turn off for eight hours yeah, and then turn back on. It's yeah. like a life and a death. Every day is like, you know, like a little lifetime. And when you live with someone, which I never did before the last year of my life, it really opens you up to like how much hair they leave on the floor. Yeah. And they're just off. Yeah. They're just asleep. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause when you live like in your own little bedroom or your own little apartment, it's like, it's your private space. And yeah. so when you go to bed, you wake up, it's the same as when you left it. It's nice to live with someone. Oh, it's so nice. I mean, yeah. I think if my girlfriend ever broke up with me, I would dedicate myself to the comedy arts, you know, strictly and become like a, a monk, uh, a friar. But for now, you know, as long as she puts up with me, it's like the best. I'm in like a total best relationship in my life. So that's the thing about Austin is like, it's hard to even feel like I'm not making it in comedy the way I want to when other stuff in my life is going well, which if I had said that two years ago, I would have been like, I probably would have thought that was lame. What's know. the dream? What's the comedy dream? What do we want? Selling. You want to be a fucking rock star on short, the stage. Short term. But it's hard to be that guy. Featuring short term, like featuring hosting for clubs would be like my next three or four year plan. I think I am more capable of it. I think if a place gives me a chance, I've been sort of, I'm sorry, everyone probably feels like this. I feel like I've been overlooked in terms of like, I sign up for mics. Me too. I'm undiscovered. Yeah. But I sign up for mics. I don't even get on. Like my name never seems to get through the Velveeta mic room or the Cap City. I'm sure Rogan's mic won't have me just because I'm not, my name is not recognizable by everybody or whatever. Um, but again, instead of being upset and mad about it, just accepting like, this is what it is. And so just keep on working and hopefully break. Well, let's get your name out there. Paul Cyphers. Yeah. Break through that barrier. Cause I think I could host, I think I could feature. And then I think that's like the stepping stone to being a headliner and selling tickets, which is like kind of all I want to do. I just want to tour. I want to be a road comic. Yeah. I want to sell. I want to try it and see what it feels like. Yeah. Especially, I think there's a big advantage to like people not knowing who you are. And, uh, I don't know. Yeah. There's something cool about that. Um, what would suck is if you never got to experience that. Like if like you were already like famous for something and then people, you know, like uh, you want to be able like to, every time you go up there, it's sort of like the Brendan Schaub effect or whatever. That's yeah. scary. Or Steve-O. Yeah. I'm yeah. actually, I, I'm so entranced by, uh, Brendan Schaub. I like think. Yeah. What do you think of him? Um, I think it's really, he gets shit on he, so yeah, much. And he, he lives like, I think a, it affects him. It's like a black mirror episode. He's living like, and I've seen other comedians go through that where, so it's let's like, go through the Brendan Schaub story. Yeah. He's, so he's an MMA fighter. And I'm a big UFC fan and a big, uh, diehard uh, UFC friend fan. of Rogan. Yeah. And I was watching all those early episodes. Um, and he's fighting and he's, uh, yeah, he loses a couple fights or whatever. Yeah, he starts showing up on the podcast sometimes, and then Rogan kind of talked to him uh, off the ledge of continuing, which is like in fighting is a tough thing to do because once you like aren't, once you're not in the top five or ten fighters in the UFC, you're kind of accepting that you're going to be beaten a couple of times, 
and maybe badly. So it is a scary thing. So Rogan convinced him to kind of get out of uh, that and start doing podcasting full time, and he started getting to stand up more. I think he's got a great podcast. And like people writing, shit on him. Yeah, I don't, haven't seen. I don't. You know, like writing. whatever they say, whatever they say about his comedy. But um, I've seen his podcast, and as far as I can tell, it's as entertaining as anyone. Yeah, and and he, you know, I'm sure there's valid criticisms that people have. I think they don't like how easy of a road he had it because he was friends with Rogan and the Which Rogan so effect. Weird. Like there is a cult of Rogan. I'm calling it out right now. I can't help it. I can't help myself. I have to say it. I just think if you care about how easy someone else's road was or something, I mean, I, I don't want to be like this right wing guy or whatever, but like you just fucking, you don't see their road. You're like a have nothing. will have nothing. Yeah. Person. Like totally. I've heard, uh, but like who says his road was easy? Yeah. And just, I don't know in general, it's just like, he's not taking, again, I, I try to think, is he taking any money out of my pocket? If he was, yeah. If, if I had a weekend scheduled at a club and Brennan Shaw was there all of a sudden, then yeah, maybe I would feel away. But people feel envious when they see yeah. somebody getting a reward or something that they want. And it's fun to be mean. It's fun and to it's fun to be people. mean. I it's mean, fun to shit on people. I was 18 people. once we can when all Amy Schumer people. was the biggest thing. And I, if you dug up my internet comments, I don't think they would be that dissimilar to Brennan Shaw. Yeah. And if I met Amy Schumer right now, I would probably pretend like I've always been her biggest fan. Because totally. it's just like, that's... I how was it goes. Lame. That's how humans are. I That's was how a people loser are. back then. Uh, and you know what I mean? But it is fun to uh, to look at that. Also, it's like a case study on, uh, again, like how bad like the internet can be mean. And so mm-hmm. it's almost reading that is sometimes cathartic where it's like, it's like, okay, there's like a hornet's nest on the internet. And to, to if you're really like, some of the people in Austin are so obsessed with getting like to whatever fame they're going to get immediately that I think it's scary to me because I'm like, I like the slow rise because I'm learning things about myself. I'm learning how to, uh, I'll make a acclimate. Mis- I'll make a mistake with like a successful comedian in a conversation where I yeah. feel like I could have steered it in a better way. Yeah. And then I learned from that, but they right. don't know my name. They don't know me from a hole in the wall. So it's like, you know, I met uh red band at a one, like when I first moved here and we had a short conversation at the Creek and I felt like I was kind of drunk and shit and I felt like a dork. And now looking back like two years later, it's like he would not even remember it happened. And so, but it's like, but if I was famous, like Steve-O, right. he would remember. So it is some, sometimes it scares me. It's like a nice, it's like, just take the road that, cause there's, there's pros and cons of everything. Sure. His door was open faster than other people in terms of getting money, but now he's had to deal with the ramifications of like, you know, being exposed a little too early or being, um, a little, uh, amateurish, I guess you could say as a comedian, which is funny. Cause I almost, it's fun to shit on comedians. That's like part of the camaraderie of being a comic, mm-hmm. but truly in my heart of hearts, it's like you put me on stage for 25 minutes. There's going to be nights where it doesn't go that dissimilar to British. Like to think that I'm anything better than him or even in a, even better than at all. It's funny when some comics shit on him. Cause I'm like, we're not that we're all in the same kind of, yeah. we're all pretty shitty at it. You know, you're shitty at it for a while. But if you're not a comic and your uh, recreation is just shitting on comics, then I've sort of learned to accept that that's part of that is just part comedy. of it. And yeah, everyone wants to say my guy is good and your guy sucks. Yeah. Um, but I think that you're right. You want to have in the ideal world, it would be a slow acclimation to yeah. the attention because you kind of want to say like I I haven't had a ton of like uh, exposure or whatever, but I've had some clips that had some views and some nasty comments and you do want to kind of reply to those and be yeah. like, fuck you. And you, you don't will know shit. sometimes and then yeah, you feel totally. so stupid about it. Like, yeah. And then you're like, I mean, it's like if somebody like, you know, says something about you and then you're like, try to defend it, it makes you look worse. Yeah. And, I'm, and then you learn those lessons when you only have, you know, this big of a footprint yeah. rather than like when it's going to be this mistake. 
but then you probably make those mistakes anyway because yeah, like the real. thing that i keep thinking about is you take somebody let's let's stay on the topic of Colter rogan and uh because he has a massive platform and a massive attention on him and i think a lot of people would look at that and they'd say oh that's what i want i want to be on a show and i want to be able to uh, get other people, anyone I want on my show and blah, blah, blah. So like, do you know how much fucking pressure that would be? Yeah. Like that might buckle you. And I don't think, I think people look at like the, uh, all of the pros and they don't, they can't even consider the cons. They can't even consider the cons. And then when you get a real pro, somebody who's been used to that pressure and who's built up the muscle for decades, they make it look easy. Yeah. And so it's confusing and you're like, oh, I could do that. I could, I could have a big platform. It's like, well, maybe you'd be fucked. <laughs> yeah, and and also you only really learn how to be a person that can deal with it. The reason Rogan is so good at like pushing aside the immense amount of noise. I mean, he keeps his family life pretty private. I think that's all been developed because he has a slow rise to what he is now. Like, and I think uh, with comedians, if you just all of a sudden get a big bump, you probably start to think like. Do I deserve this or that or that? Like, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I guess it could go either way. Probably both, depending on what drug you're on. (laughs) Yeah, uh, totally. And so I think the slow rise. Weed is introspective. Adderall is hot shit. Yeah. And that's that's what I feel like here is like if I ever get anything, then at least I'll be able to say like, you know, not even in a shitty like, wow, no one ever gave me anything. I'll just be like, I mean, I I clawed my way to whatever I had. And so I can sit at whatever height I'm at and and look down and be like, well, I did this. Like, But I like the idea that you would make all the mistakes at level zero, one, yeah. two, three, and you four. you have to in comedy because you will say so yeah. many stupid things on yeah. stage. You'll, in, fa- in you'll, front of other you'll make a Facebook joke when you're drunk that will get you semi-canceled from your, yeah. your scene. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that's shit that has to happen. Every, I mean, look at Shane Gillis. Like the... If you Wasn't it so mild? What did he say? Well, it's just like if you listen to his podcast from way back then, just the way he talks is so much different than now. Like he's developed mm-hmm. as a man and a person over time because he's gone through the ups and downs. of, And that's kind of what I'm looking for. If I was just looking for money or whatever, like I always think it's funny when comics talk about money because it's like literally just go this be a like, waiter or a bartender. Yeah, like Anything will make you more money than bar, comedy. Dude, bartending in Austin, if you can get the get the gig, bar backing in Austin is going to make you four, 40 times as much. So with comedy, yeah. it's like I'm looking to feel like shit. That's sort of there's some type type of uh pay pig fetishist like i want to be in a gimp suit and have the audience spit on me occasionally because it's like you know what i mean it's it's now do you think that you can be a comedian and anything else or do you think it taints you so that people don't take you seriously in other aspects of life uh well yeah you can definitely be something else like if you're a successful comedian i mean i know jordan peele is not like a stand-up but he's definitely transitioned into being like one of the most serious screenwriters like you know of today yeah. uh i think it it depends it's hard for me to say because i really would just be happy being like a not david tell in terms of like his legend status but just in terms of being a guy that just writes an hour of jokes goes on the road makes a bunch of drunk people happy smokes weed with a few of his fans doug benson that's like my ultimate goal like i want to have stuff and i want to have stuff going for me but if i could afford a just condo, hang if i could be doug benson dude and... have one podcast about movies and then do stand-up all the time and be really fucking good at stand-up i mean that's like the do you even want to do stand-up though i don't know like stand-up so hard you have to like write shit and prep and like yeah. go and like rehearse it and like get it all in your brain like podcasting is where it's at for sure but uh it that's all ancillary i think for me i just know that stand up for whatever reason whether it's i want to do it or it's it's such a good vibe to me yeah it's just like i think this is the only way i break through to this world being from boston starting stand up when i was 25 26 you know it's just like i don't think i'm gonna relearn a new art 
form now. You know, I'm sort of like entrenched in this and uh, I've just seen an, a one or two like lights off in the distance where I've been like, oh, I'm closer to land than I ever have I any saying, yeah. like undertaking in my life, really. Yeah. You know, so like I don't think uh, I don't have much like I, the success that I have is just like I used to not be able to do this at all. And now I can do it. And I've very I've tried to do a lot of things. You know, I've tried to learn piano. I've tried to do shit and never gotten to that point with it. So for standard for me, it's like, is the vehicle. I just know that like it works for my personality and it works for what I it's do. It's a pretty cool vehicle. Yeah, for sure. If you can make it work. But I am total agreement that the psychic pain is like not, I mean, all art, I would just recommend you don't. It's not, yeah. you know, that, that's like an old saying, the professor walks into a college like arts, you know, uh, program and says, the first rule, the first thing I want to tell you guys, you all should just get up and leave. Like, this is stupid to even do this. Now, if you still want to stay, I can try to teach you how to navigate this. But, you know, ultimately putting some money into Ethereum and then working as a barback, you know what I mean? It'll yeah. probably lend you to a much better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you definitely shouldn't do it for money. Um, and, but then you're still doing it for money and fame and all these other motivations because why else are you trying to be an entertainer? Yeah. I guess there's a part of it where you want to be able to express yourself and it's cool that comics have a level of immunity. Yeah. And I think that's fair because we do need people that can just say wrong shit only and that should be like a role in society. We've always had that role. And when it's working, it feels like a little bit of a superpower, I would say. Like, you know. Well, but you pay for it in the fact that nothing you say is serious. Yeah. Like, yeah, like you're a philosopher. Well, okay, whatever. You kind of be what you want. Like I've had stand up when I go see a really good headliner, sometimes they move me in a way that's like very emotional. Like, you know, that's true. it's fun to make fun of Nanette, but if you look at Hannah Gatsby's comments, everyone resonates with her. Say, I just saw you last night. It changed my life. I had such a good time. And like, so it's like, who am I to tell that person that like, it's not actually funny, you know? So some people do that. Some people just make you laugh so yeah. hard that you forget about everything entirely. And I think, uh, that that is a cool thing to like impart. You know what I mean? Like I, if I had my dream, okay, I want to put this into the universe. Here's what I want. Caleb six thirty every Wednesday or every weekday, every fucking day you're here. You got three minutes. Cool. And just whatever you want to say, no prep, no nothing, but you're going to be there on stage and try not to look like too big of an idiot. Yeah. I think I could do that. Yeah. yeah. Should, <laughs> dude, IG lives. I watch uh, a lot of my favorite musicians and sometimes comedians. They'll just do an IG live in the morning when they're like smoking a joint or, or yeah, that's pretty cool too. A little bit of an audience talking to you. It's fun. It's uh and yeah, all ultimately everyone in Austin, whether it's like what you're doing with podcasting, I want to do a standup. It's the ultimate goal is to not have a real job. Like that's, well, that's kind of true, but I, I don't know. Like I've had some cool jobs. I, it's kind of fun to have like, uh, but even if you had like a real and job, a job and a team, when it, you want it to be on, under Caleb Enterprises. You want it to be on your terms. 100% of my work is getting paid back to me 100% in full. It's not, you know, I think the problem with working, oh, for, yeah, that's working true for other too. people is like, if you make it your baby, you always have to remember they can take that baby away from you yeah. whenever they want. So you want to like do your own thing in that way. That's like and they can it. take your baby away. Yeah. Even yeah. if it's just because they have somebody else. Political. You didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. It's yeah. like, we just have somebody else who's fresh out of school that does it for cheaper. Yeah. The ultimate is to have total autonomy yeah. and control over how you spend your time yeah. and creative expression. And then the reward when you finally get there is everyone on the internet saying you don't know how good you have it and you don't know fucking know what a real job is like. So well, that's where I'm trying that's to That's why I'm you pay the price. Those kind of haters online. So this guy, I want to complain about doing stand-up and then people will complain that I'm complaining. and The, the cycle repeats itself. 
there's nothing to complain about though like with stand-up like sure you have to complain because it's fun <laughs> to whine and be like whining it, yeah. yeah like you're choosing to do it and it is what are you choosing to do go get your voice amplified and get your idea this is a thing i love that bill hicks said this is something that always stuck with me was like uh you get to go on a stage and people are going to listen to you and not only are they going to listen sometimes they'll laugh like that's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. And I think one of the things that like, I like, like I've been trying to come to terms with like, what am I? Am I a comic? Am I a podcaster? Am I a tech guy? Am I blah, 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 whatever. I don't even think anyone needs to de define themselves in like such certain terms, but I, I do want to get clear about what I'm trying to do. And with the stand up thing, I've come to terms that I don't care about being the funniest guy in the room. I care about saying my shit. Yeah. That's what I care about. Yeah, and it's cyclical. It'll change. Like maybe someday you probably want to true, right? Yourself. Like I think that's a big thing. Comedians get stuck in here. Is uh, I do it. I I'm guilty of it. I do it this way. I write my jokes word for word. And this year, I want to try to get outside of that and like work on what yeah. if I did it this way for a little bit. You know what I mean? And uh, accept that. Like I don't know if people. How many mics do you go to a week? It's like sometimes I go to more than others. It's it's all. Uh, there's no like one size fits all. So like you might want to just get on stage right now, but then one day you might be struck with like, I just want to write like the best clean jokes ever. You know, people that get weird as you do it, you kind of discover. If you stay in it. Yeah. And that's the other cool thing about like making it a lifetime pursuit is like it kind of takes the pressure off of like this year where like no chance you're going to be in an arena like yeah. that's never going to happen. Yeah. Right. Like you just don't even have to think about that. You don't even have to think about that. Yeah. All you have to think about is what is the expression like what's on your mind? What are you trying to get out there? And I think that's like a better approach because otherwise you're like chasing some outcome and you're like frustrated that you're not like getting picked for the this and, yeah, the, and that. Yeah, I realize that every time you do get picked, because I was once an outmiger that never got booked and I went to getting booked twice a year and then, you know, more. And a, on Kill Tony three times? Twice a month, yeah. And then eventually you realize, oh, I'm the human condition is everyone who's a comedy club headliner wishes they were a theater headliner. Everyone who's a theater yeah. headliner wishes they were an arena headliner. And that yeah. goes all the way down to open mics where it's like everyone who's a level one open micer wishes they were a level two open micer. Totally. And so once you, it's that, it is a balance though, because you want to work hard as if, you know, you are Mike Tyson and you want to outwork everybody. But at the same time, you don't want to behold yourself to like some specific outcome. Yeah, exactly. So it is always a weird balance of like, which, yeah, ultimately it's why I just try to laugh at the bad parts of it. It's, yeah. it's, it's hilarious. But it's kind of a church, like it's kind of a community. I mean, it definitely is. And the longer that you're in it, the more people you're going to meet, the more you're going to resonate with them. You're going to be like, oh, I really like that guy. Let's hang out. Let's do stuff. And I can go to any major city. I mean, I'm going to Denver with my girlfriend this week and i don't know anybody from denver i reached out to a few people didn't really get much back so i'm just going to go to a few open mics and i yeah. guarantee i'll meet someone that yeah. who knows i can be friends with the rest of my life you know what i mean totally. which is a big thing i mean i met jesse and ben outside of an open mic five years ago and i would say that there's a good chance that both those guys are going to be like you know both of my best men at my wedding or whatever you know what i mean like if, if not my best men then standing right next to my best man so which is pretty crazy you know what i mean to be try to like i said be a little less cynical it's fun it, to be tim dylan it's fun to yeah. be like everything fucking sucks but even even he has to appreciate i mean everyone has to appreciate the fact that like you're going to bump into the same people as yeah. long as you stay in the game yeah you're going to keep bumping into keep the same the people and i and tell myself that outlasting is a big part of outlasting yeah boom you're just here when the moment comes and you're yeah. kind of prepared i mean that's yeah. what hans was he was there when the moment came and he was prepared for it so yeah. say what you will about like you know 
there was the circumstances surrounding him getting on Kill Tony were kind of like a joke, like a response to like something that happened with him. But Hans took that opportunity and ran with it pretty yeah. much as good as anybody could have ever. You know, if you ran that simulation 10,000 times with 10,000 comedians, most of them end up back where they kind of started. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it would be nice to like get plucked out of obscurity yeah. and like. But am, am I ready for it? Like, I've stopped. And are you ready for it? Right. I want yeah. my fourth time. If I'm on my fourth time, I gotta make or break it now. Like, yeah, because then if you're not ready for it, then it burns. Like, and whatever that opportunity is 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 gone, and it's on there forever. The internet, which you can redeem yourself from, but it still hurts. I mean, I think you just gotta accept the cringe. Yeah, you know, no, that's what Gen Z is great at. Gen Z has fully made it apparent to everyone that your life is cringe. Like, they don't even post pictures themselves. Yeah, they don't even post pictures themselves on Instagram most of the time now. You like young, they'll have one blurry photograph of themselves. Dude, what is up with that have you seen gen z scribbling their faces yeah, have you seen that trend no but i'm sure it's part of that if you're not a creator as a gen z person you don't want to be have a like millennials thought like let's have an instagram even if i'm not doing anything yeah cool. i just want to have a bunch of pictures of me and my dog on a there. journal almost gen z keeps that shit private they text each other those photos they like you know they're more they're more like they think it's cringe to have you know what i mean i yeah i do know what you mean but like i think there's something wrong about scribbling out your face and like keeping all that private like i'm not saying that millennials like just like throwing everything out there all the time is any better there's got to be a middle ground there's got to be a middle ground yeah yeah it's weird it's the reckoning of technology is weird i might just (sighs) where do you think it's going i don't know i just might become a drone pilot it seems like that's like an easy six-figure job i'm good at six figures like what is that if you're a good drone filmer like you can just you have a really nice quality drone you have a nice quality camera you can just fly it over movie sets and get them a nice wide shot there's value to be made there um a drone pilot yeah dude that's what i would recommend if you get anything from this i came here trying to give whatever marginal wisdom i have it's quit your art form and become a drone pilot whether that's the military you know bombing syrian weddings or shooting american weddings with a camera you know i mean something with a drone or also bombs yeah you know yeah just whatever you're into no judgment yeah in this world no country whatever country you feel yeah needs to be bombed the most yeah don't pick on ukraine they got enough bombs yeah they're good for how about xi jinping let's take him out yeah okay now i'm fucked yeah uh where do you think uh technology is going like, what do you think? Uh, I have to, there's two things I always have to ask everybody. One is AI and two is what I'm the a, fuck I'm, is reality? I'm bearish on VR. I think yeah, it's VR lame. is like so I think lame. no one wants, I mean, Brian Redman thinks it's the coolest fucking thing in the world and maybe he'll be right. I think having a helmet on for more than four minutes is... is it makes me sick. Yeah, but I'm also old, so I have to accept. But he's old. Yeah. Yeah, but he's young at heart, you know. And uh, he's probably, you get, you get used to it. I used to yeah. have a buddy that was really into VR. We would like to do all the games and stuff and you do get used to it. But VR, the only way it works is if you truly can't tell, like this is yeah. VR. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then like the aliens peel back our eyes and we are in a whole different world. Well, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like how crazy would that be if you woke up at the end of this podcast in another universe? Yeah. No, I mean, I, and you were like, I had this whole life. I had this girlfriend. We moved. That's my dream where it's Jesse like, oh, I don't need to do any ben. of the work. I can just make my like matrix style. I can just download Kung Fu. Um, well, we could get there. I think in the fullness of time, we even may get there because our brains are finite machines. Yeah. They're limited. And technology is ostensibly infinite. I, now, there's no way to really prove what I'm saying, but... Um, I, I I think that if you give humans infinite time, let's just say 10,000 years, right? They're going to keep making 
new tech that reads yeah. the brain. Eventually, they'll be able to insert completely realistic ideas and fantasies and realities yeah. into your mind. And as soon as that happens, the question becomes, what makes you think you're in the in the prime reality? Yeah. And if it, I guess I've heard this theory, if it can happen once, then it's more than likely already happened. And yeah. we're just living a new version. Yeah. I always thought that was bullshit until recently. Yeah. And now I'm kind of wondering. Yeah. What I love not, I have no, uh, I always say I have 90 IQ. So big questions to me. 90, people, there's no chance. People struggle. People struggle with big questions. I love, I just say, I don't know, man. Could be anything. Seems wild. Seems like there's something out there, right? And I just keep it moving. Can I have a cigarette? Like that's how, that's how my. That's a good uh, attitude. Dude. And I mean, I'm, again, it's like the sleep thing. I, I want, I've learned to be grateful for that because I've seen friends and maybe someday I'll go through it. You know what I mean? That just really struggle with the great questions. And I think those people need to exist and people need to be searching for those answers. But dude, I just, I go down to my Korean bakery in the morning. I get a garlic bread. That's stick. the right answer. Yeah. I get a garlic breadstick. I yeah. get, sometimes I, I get a hot dog inside of like a croissant. I don't know if that's a Korean food. They tell me it is. It feels very American to me. Uh, and then I drink a coffee and I play Civilization. Definitely the right answer. Yeah. Just enjoy it. Like whatever it is, is great. Yeah, my We're girlfriend here. hates it. She's, my girlfriend's always future. Is she a thinker? Yeah. I mean, you know, women are better than us in many, many ways. Guys, guys just are really Smell good better. at specific things. Yeah. They're really good at violence. They're really good at physical labor. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're really good at like... Uh, you, know. you think it was a mistake to give them the vote? Oh, women? Yeah. I think anyone the vote. I think we should let our overlords decide. That's true. We should restrict it. No more voting rights. Yeah. Like we let too many vote. people decide. My girlfriend hates we it. should have an IQ test, a fitness test, a money test. Yeah. How many ways can we make it fucked up? <laughs> we should just let chat, chat GPT. Oh, that's a good idea. Dude. We'll let the AIs run the run the game, run the simulator. Jesse's obsessed with that thing. I Is he? It. Yeah, I hate it. I Why hate do you hate it? it. I'm, I'm a, obsessed with I'm it. I'm kind of a Luddite, I think. I've, I'm okay. going kind of Kaczynski. I just bought a typewriter. Dude, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's cool, but I didn't do it to be cool. I did it because I truly, I feel demonic like the closest I've ever felt to like a satanic thing is when I stare at my phone sometimes when I'm saying this thing is it sucks. Yeah. It feels it like knows I'm here. Like the ring, the one ring when it, when Frodo walks in the room, he can feel the presence yeah. of it. You can feel your presence totally. in your phone. You can know when it's not on you, even though you totally. didn't realize. So, uh, I'm really trying to reject it. Uh, of course, first thing I did was take a picture of my typewriter and put it on Instagram. So it's not, I'm, I'm struggling. Does it work? Like, is it, it did work for a little, then it broke and I got pissed off. Oh. So I gotta, I gotta go home and try to figure it out. Yeah, ChatGPT is something else. Um, I think AI is is pretty interesting. Yeah, well, it'll probably open a portal to hell, but I mean, it has to happen eventually, right? Ooh, I mean, I guess. Yeah. Like, uh, you don't think it could be a utopia? Like, what if, like, what if ChatGPT evolves and is just like a super sentient robot that? solves all of humans problems i hope it is but it's like oh you have global warming just take co2 out of the air duh every other technological advancement thus far in human history has seems come with to a cost led to more suffering on the whole so well no because like ac and clean water and iphones are all it's cool. great for us iphones are great for us it was led to more suffering somewhere some nameless place but we don't have to think about yeah them. no i mean i like, feel you dude. out of sight out of mind that, i want to be a famous comedian i'm part of the elite you know yeah. what i mean as long as i'm in america yeah it's fine you know what i mean if, if i got rub shoulders with a couple of pedophiles i'll pretend like i didn't see it you know what I mean? <laughs> if we gotta go to epstein island yeah i'm whatever not gonna partake but you know i'm not gonna <laughs> i'm not, not always i'm not, i'm not gonna judge look if you got a private Michael jet, jackson he had his interests yeah i'll take a ride on it it'd be nice to know what private <laughs> jets like maybe a steak dinner um 
Yeah, I mean, hopefully it leads to something good. Yeah, man. I, I think it's gonna be pretty good. Hopefully it doesn't make uh people obsolete, and then we. I all think it live will do that. Squalor. Yeah. Well, I I think it's I think the more most likely future that I see is that everyone's fucked because they're too comfortable. Yeah. And like you need to wake up and have a purpose, right? We all need something to do, but increasingly, this isn't as much of a problem if you're in the arts. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it, how good it is. One of the things that's really interesting about these new AIs that are coming online is you would think that technology would be really good at automating like the, the blue collar jobs, but that's not what's happening. Yeah, It's automating trades, the white yeah. collar jobs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, how do you automate a lot of the construction trades? And yeah. It's, it's like actually turns out to be more complicated than coding. And there'll always be a, a level of artists in that probably exceeds. Like you could build a cookie cutter, like Russian looking apartment from the Soviet era, maybe with AI. But I think there's always going to be room for, I want like crown moldings. And I want, yeah. that's, that's my true goal is to become more of a blue collar guy. Because I think it's like that life of, I built this, I did this. I'm kind of, that's, I bought the typewriter kind of, I'm glad it broke because I want to learn how to fix them. And I'm trying to find something else, blue collary, whether it's like woodworking or. Do you like working with your hands? Uh, not, I mean, not particularly, but I do think, I think it's like almost a thing that I lack. Like, you know, I mean, I, when I, I used to do pest control for like eight, eight or nine years and just getting in the truck every day and having to just do stuff every day. Yeah. I kind of miss that, like, uh, feeling like, you know, you look at someone who went to college and you say, oh, you wasted your time going to college. I want that feeling back. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You spent 250 grand. Yeah. Even though the truth is I didn't, degree. I didn't go to college because I just, you know, I, I couldn't cut it. That's the thing <laughs> comedians do. They're like, I chose comedy. It's like, no, comedy chose you. We didn't have a lot of options. Uh, that's probably true actually yeah. that whenever i meet someone who has a lot of options and does stand up i'm always like what are you doing yeah why 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 do it why i do can't it? set up i wouldn't know how to focus a camera or any of that so i have a notebook and a pencil that's about the oh level, youtube it everything's on youtube now yeah cool yeah well dude let's wrap this one up yeah. um so what's your socials what do you have coming up how do we get you booked on shows? Uh, at Real Paul Ciphers is everything for social. Uh, at Real Paul Ciphers at Gmail. I am. I just made a website. It's not live yet, but uh, I'll. I probably get a newsletter. Do you use ChatGPT? No, but no. if you send me your email, I will. And with your address, I will write you a letter on my typewriter. That's what I'm doing now. I write people letters on my typewriter. Uh, and then I'm at you know in Austin everywhere I'm do like five or six shows a month at least so look at my Instagram real Paul ciphers on yeah. Instagram yeah all thank right, you dude. so much for having me dude thanks for coming on thanks all right see you guys